Do traditional martial arts just stink? Let's find out. Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. I am your host, the aforementioned Phil Elmore. Let's see how many times I can say my name in the opening. I'd like to start this podcast by giving a shout out to somebody who took the time to actually phone me and say nice things, which was a really cool way to start my day. Uh, I got a phone call from a young lady who, uh, she started talking and mentioned my podcast and I because I'm so unused to having anyone listen I was like are you are you talking about my news podcast she's like no no your your martial arts podcast so this one and uh, she mentioned how much she liked it and referenced a couple of videos that I've done on the channel including um, not not podcast videos but but videos on the martialist uh, YouTube channel like the gun magnet video that I put up quite a while back now and uh, she was just really complimentary. And I can't tell you how nice it is to get that kind of encouragement because on the whole, for one thing, it's a very small podcast. There's not a lot of feedback to begin with. What feedback there is tends to be negative because people generally don't say anything unless they have something angry to say. You know, unless you're really motivated out of anger, you usually don't speak up. Uh, and we've had, we've use the the people who criticize for content before it usually makes for interesting content that other people like to listen to in fact um, but this was just a really genuinely nice uh, complimentary conversation and I, I was really touched uh, and I um let's see if I have the window open here uh, what did I do with it what did I do with it what did I do oh come on you tell me I closed it well let me try again to find it uh, here we go. Let's see. Where's my Gmail? I know. I'm. This is fascinating, fascinating uh, audio. Let's see. Where is her email? Here it is. Uh, this was not the first message, but it was. She sent a bunch of complimentary. After our conversation, she sent me email and thanked me for for taking her call. And and I wrote back, and she wrote back. And this is what she said. Uh, you have so much valuable knowledge to share, it's impossible to measure. Um, you have nuggets of gold in so many posts. I love reading them. Very rarely comment. Please continue your work. It's so valuable. I go through your posts over and over and catch something new all the time. Um, so it just really, really nice. And to get that kind of feedback is just invaluable. It's the sort of thing that when you do this type of, of work, it's very easy to think, you know, am I just... It's like opening a door and shouting into the wind. Like, is anyone listening? Does it even matter? What difference does it make if I put out a podcast or not? And I started doing both this podcast and my Surviving the News podcast because I needed to force myself to do something fun. I enjoy doing the podcast. I enjoy inflicting my opinion on you. Um, so I started with Surviving the News quite some time ago, and then there was a big gap where I didn't do it. Uh, if you're not subscribed to Surviving the News, I'd, I'd be very flattered if you did. Um, it's my news and commentary show where I just talk about the news and offer my insight on it, my analysis of it for whatever that's worth. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's a fun way to catch up with what's going on in the world. If I find particularly weird stories, I love to include them, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the Martial Arts Podcast, of course, I started that relatively recently, uh, just this year, um, because I wanted to be able to offer my thoughts on the martial arts. And it just, I couldn't quite make it fit into the news and commentary 
genre. It just felt like it was a little too specific, like it didn't fit. So uh, both podcasts are available on almost every platform, wherever you get audio, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, a bunch of other providers. You can subscribe via the RSS feed. If you go to survivingthenews.com, you can grab the RSS feed for that. Uh, the RSS feed for uh, the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Um, I actually, I have a, there's a web page from the service provider, and I don't usually use that for anything, uh, and I haven't promoted it for anything. What I should probably do is register a URL and link it over, and I didn't think to do that. So maybe I'll do that. But anyway, <laughs> what would I even call it? The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a really long URL. Anyway. Um, if you'd subscribe to both, you'd be doing me a favor. And, and I'm really glad that at least one person out there is enjoying these broadcasts. So you know who you are. I'm not going to use your name because I didn't get permission. But thank you. Uh, thank you very much. So I, and I, know, I know she'll hear this, so hopefully that will make her happy. Because um, it made me happy to get that phone call. All right, let's talk about traditional martial arts. Uh, we sort of touched on this in the, uh, I think it was the episode on Internet Tough Guys, where I talked about some of the reprehensible, amoral, uh, uh, just, just, re- sorry, my brain locks up with the various insults I want to use that I must censor. Just amoral degenerates uh, who also happen to be fans of mixed martial arts. The two don't necessarily go together. They do in this case. Um, and the one guy really offered a lot of insight when he posted some nonsense on, on the forum where I saw this exchange. Um, and he was talking about how, you know, ever since the UFC started, we've proven that traditional martial arts don't work. And I got to thinking about that. I'm like, have we? I don't think we've proven anything of the kind. Uh, and so I got to thinking about the concept of what good are traditional martial arts? Are they good? Are they bad? Um, you know, what, what do we make of, of traditional martial arts in a modern post-UFC, post-MMA uh, reality? Um, and I think what the UFC and what mixed martial arts taught us is that there is a certain set of techniques, all of which are drawn from traditional martial arts, that work better in a one-on-one safe environment when two people are contending with each other. What is a mixed martial arts or UFC match it is it's done on a safe floor you know it's 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 a nice soft padded floor typically it's done one-on-one there's no expectation of other people there are no weapons involved and in the early days of the ufc there were no rules so it was uh, often compared to you know just gladiatorial combat human uh uh i don't want to use the term (laughs) rooster fighting I don't know. I never know what keywords are going to get flagged, so I'm going to stay away from that. But um, I watched some of the first UFC matches on VHS. I got them from Blockbuster at the time. Um, so I, I went back and watched those when they were available on VHS. Uh, and it was fun to see those early matches. It, it, it was so obvious that nobody had any idea what they were doing. This was new for everyone. So there was that famous match between the one karate guy who fought the sumo dude and broke his hand punching the sumo guy in the head, trying to end the fight, trying to get the fight to be over, and he couldn't get the guy to submit. Um, and, you know, the Gracies dominated the early UFCs uh, because it turns out that having a, a ground grappling style in that environment 
really very useful. And a lot of those strikers had no defense for, for ground grappling. I would argue that a lot of those strikers equally had no defense against Greco-Roman wrestling either. You know, and if you had a Greco-Roman wrestler who could get past the striking part of it and get them on the ground, then they'd have just as big an advantage. Um, because especially back then, nobody was thinking about cross-training. And that's my phone. Let's see, is this going to be another robot? Hello? Hi, my name is Charlotte from Senior Aid Helper. No, it's not. You're a robot. They just, it's funny how um, I've gotten phone calls from that particular recorded algorithm so many times. uh, And you're denied even the satisfaction of yelling at them. It's a robot. Um, I got a new one yesterday from, it was an attempt to collect money for some police benevolent association type thing. Probably a complete scam. Probably not even really you know, a legitimate police organization. But I got suspicious when I heard the dulcet tones of the person calling me. So I said, are you a robot? And he said, I am a real person and blah, blah, blah. I said, if you're a real person, repeat the word squid. I, as I said, I'm a real person. I said, if you're a real person, repeat the word squid. And he couldn't because he was a robot. And you just, all you can do is hang up on them. You can't block the number because usually the numbers are spoofed. So you just be randomly blocking numbers of people that, I don't know, maybe might want to call you one day for real. Um, We live in robocall hell. We really do. All of us. Anyway, as I was saying about traditional martial arts, the UFC and mixed martial arts did not prove that traditional martial arts, quote unquote, don't work. They proved that a certain set of techniques, specifically ground grappling techniques, are best for a one-on-one sporting competition where you have the symmetrical goal of defeating the other person in that context. Uh, The people who then make the leap to, well, see, MMA is proven as the best self-defense method or the only self-defense method because it's the only one that's proven, and therefore we're tough and strong and powerful, and please look at us as if we're special. Like, there's a lot of human ego wrapped up when when they start making the leap to mixed martial arts therefore is self-defense training it's not it never has been um but there's a lot of traditional martial arts that is not self-defense training either um there's a lot of bad martial arts out there that is not self-defense training um and you know i've been equally critical of traditional martial artists who eschew the use of weaponry because they find it distasteful I'm like, well, if, if you're, you know, like if you're a pro-gun control martial artist, you're not a martial artist at all. You're something else. You're some sort of physical practitioner of something. But you've sort of let go of the martial aspect of it, the self-defense aspect of it. Because to me, without the self-defense component, martial arts are meaningless. There's no reason to do them. Um, you know, exercise is exercise. Fitness is fitness. Um Personal development and growth. What are some of the other things that people say they do martial arts for? Uh, honor and discipline. Well, fine. All of that is fine. But if what you're doing can't be used for self-defense, then it's not a martial art at all. Um, that's always been my opinion. has been for years and years. So where does that leave us with traditional martial arts? Well, the first thing that's missing whenever anyone talks about how much traditional martial arts suck, especially in comparison to mixed martial arts and modern sporting, combative sports, we'll call them. The very first thing that everyone's missing is context. Context matters. Um, A wrist lock, for example, 
You're not going to walk up to a guy on the street who's trying to mug you and immediately wrist lock him into submission like you're Steven Seagal in an action scene in one of his movies. However, uh, when you're at, let's say, a family gathering and drunken Uncle Frank gets a little out of hand, suddenly that wrist lock can come in really handy. Um, there was a guy whose name I've forgotten who wrote an entire book on wrist locks who actually used a wrist lock to stop a pickpocket who was trying to pull his wallet out of his pocket. Um, and I've forgotten that guy's name, and I feel bad that I have, because he used to put out a lot of books on, like, ClickBank and other affiliate sites like that. I've still got that book around here somewhere. But uh, just because something has worked doesn't mean it will work. What do I mean by that? There was a famous troll on the... Uh, various martial arts and self-defense websites back in the day, the, the, the age of the bulletin board, the age of the discussion forum. This fellow's name was Brian Sheeran. He went by the name Bry Ty. And Bry Ty was one of the more obnoxious martial arts trolls in the online martial arts universe. It's a relatively small community. And if I remember correctly, Bry Ty's biggest claim to fame was that he'd once used a karate reverse punch, like a traditional... You know, Kia, uh, I'm, I'm chambering one arm and bringing the other arm forward, and I'm twisting my my fist and all that. Um, Bry Tai had, had used a karate reverse punch, and it had been very, very effective. Well, the fact that that technique worked for him that time doesn't mean that it will work for you in another context. You have to examine, like, how likely is this technique to work? What is the percentage likelihood that this method will do what I want it to do? By the same token, just because something didn't work doesn't mean it doesn't work. Just because somebody couldn't bring something off doesn't mean it will never work necessarily. You know, it's not proof one way or another. So there's a lot of cases of, um, there are some techniques that you could uh, you could use and they would work just fine. You know, let's, let's say uh, chain punching. That's a good example. Um, you know, chain punching can be ineffective and weak or it can be powerful depending on how you do it and the context that you do it. Um, I'm sure somewhere there's a guy who tried to chain punch somebody and regretted it. But the fact that he couldn't do it or didn't do it doesn't mean that chain punching never works and can't work. Context is everything. Did you use the appropriate technique at the appropriate time? It's like that uh, closest target, closest uh, weapon principle that I believe is used in things like Jeet Kune Do um, and other, many others. It's not unique to that. You know, you don't... You don't try to force a technique by walking into a situation going, I'm definitely going to do this technique. You use the technique that makes sense based on what's available, what targets are available, your distance and angle to the target. Um, and the degree to which you can do that effectively kind of dictates how effective you'll be in terms of self-defense. So most people making judgments about traditional martial arts are completely ignoring context. And then they'll, they'll apply a context that is meaningless. For example, there are hilarious mixed martial arts matches between, like, I've seen at least one video of the world's most hapless-looking Wing Chun guy wading in. He's doing his double wu-sao guard, and he's doing his pigeon-toed horse stance little walk into the ring with a mixed martial arts guy. And the look on the guy's face just tells you he's about to get eaten alive. Um, that guy was not prepared. <laughs> Sometimes you can just you can just tell when two guys get in a ring that one of them wants it and the other one doesn't. And that dude, yeah, he got eaten alive. 
Does that mean, oh, Wing Chun sucks and traditional martial arts suck? Well, not necessarily. It's certainly not the best approach to mixed martial arts. It's not the best approach to this type of match. I know one enormous fellow who is a, a mixed martial artist. Um, I don't know if he's currently active, but he was for many, many years. And uh, he was also a student of my teacher. He also learned uh, Lu Shang Kung Fu in, in, in addition to the mixed martial arts stuff he was doing. Did he use those techniques in the ring? N not as such. I think he used some of the same principles. Uh, you can't not be affected when you do all that training. You can't not be affected by some of the methodologies. It just kind of comes out of you. Um, at the same time, he acknowledged the benefit that that training gave him. Um, there's, there's been a lot of laughter about Steven Seagal supposedly teaching various people, you know, like, like oh, Steven Seagal taught me the front kick. Uh, but the fact is, Steven Seagal was teach, has taught and does teach certain approaches to certain types of kicking that are meant to be non-telegraphic. And there are UFC fighters who actually acknowledge that he helped them. There's at least one guy, maybe two, that I can think of off the top of my head who acknowledged training with him, and one of them will still give Seagal credit for helping him. So context matters. And the problem is that you can't point to... Yeah, there are countless examples of traditional martial arts guys not doing well. And uh, there are countless examples of mixed martial arts guys against other mixed martial arts guys who did really badly. Like, you can't take a bad fighter and go, the thing he does is the reason he's bad. Mostly it's the guy, you know. And, and a guy who's a really effective fighter probably doesn't matter what he learned. He's going to use it to good effect. Um, I think... What it comes down to usually is who's more aggressive, to be perfectly honest with you. Some some systems more effective than others, all things being equal, but all things are, are almost never equal. Um, and even, I remember when I took karate in college, the way they taught you to do a technique and the way you, for example, sparred with the technique, they were completely different. And, well, not completely, completely different, but it was very different. So it was very obvious that when, okay, when I'm actually contending with a human being and I have to maintain my balance and be mobile and fight this person, then certain stances get narrower, certain techniques become closer in, the way you do certain certain deliveries is, is subtly or not so subtly different. I have a friend who does traditional karate now and has trained in multiple martial arts uh, over the years. He's an extremely capable fighter. And uh, the, the sparring he does in karate, these guys are wearing a lot of gear. They're going all out. It's, it's rough. And uh, you could not pay me to fight him. No, thank you. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, a lot of people, when they think of karate, they're like, oh, that's a stupid traditional martial art and it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, okay. You go get in the ring with that guy. I'm not going to. So people package deal all traditional martial arts together and then just proclaim them all stinky because of X example of traditional martial arts not working. And for every example of it not working, you can find another example of it working. Um, I remember when I was taking Wing Chun no, longer ago now than I care to admit, we had a female student who had used a technique that she learned in class against someone who was essentially trying to physically assault her at a bar. And it worked. So d does that mean that uh, traditional martial arts always works? No, but it also doesn't mean that it doesn't. It's context. Did you use an appropriate technique at an appropriate level of power against an appropriate level of resistance at an appropriate time? 
uh, every martial art gets it wrong. Every martial art, including mixed martial arts. And what I mean by that is everybody's trying to force a framework onto reality, and they're all ignoring reality. Mixed martial arts matches are symmetrical. Both, both people have the same goal. They want to win. <coughs> There's nobody who just didn't want to fight or he wouldn't be there. So right away, that's not what reality is. That's not self-defense. You know, unless you're a psychopath who goes out getting into fights because he wants to, your goal in self-defense is asymmetrical. I want to just not be in this conflict. If I can avoid it by being more aware, by being sneakier, then absolutely I will. You know, if you can ninja your way out of a conflict before it begins, so much the better. I, um, I got into, I'm not proud of this, I was going too fast on the highway, and another guy was going too fast next to me, and we essentially started uh, competing with each other. And I don't know why, but me being ahead of him made him angry. So when I got off the highway after outspeeding this dude, which I should not have done, he followed me. And I realized he was following me, so I pulled into a, a parking lot kind of behind a building, so it was sort of out of direct view. We weren't it's a public place, but it's not a public place, if you will. And I stopped and I rolled down my window. He pulled up next to me and rolled down his window. And before he could say anything, I threw him a huge thumbs up and I said, great race. And he looked at me like, what? And, and I'm like, great race, man. You, you really did well. And he said, and I quote, every word of this is true. You didn't want to fight or nothing? And I said, no. Why would you think that? And his brain locked up when I didn't give him the resistance that he wanted. And he just drove away. You could see it. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And he just drove off. And that was a case where I could have gotten out and fought him. I, I, had, I had weaponry. I had the means. I mean, if, you get, if you're in a car and you get out of the car, you're dumb already. The, the car is the single best means you have to just get out of there. But instead of fighting with this guy, I chose to deploy, I don't know, I guess you'd call it social engineering, to, to kind of psych him out so that there wouldn't be a fight, so that he wouldn't want to. And it worked. Uh, and I'm very proud of the fact that it worked. But that's asymmetrical. He wanted to fight. I didn't want to fight. So it didn't come down to who was the better fighter. You know, uh, so every martial art gets that wrong by trying to force a framework onto what's happening. When in fact, in real life, self-defense is asymmetrical. One person doesn't shouldn't want to fight at all. Should be trying to get out of there. Um, the, I think it was, I believe it was Scott Sonnen who said that sport fighting systems and reality-based combatives type fighting systems can really help each other. Sport fighting can offer unpredictable, resisting aliveness to training, and Reality-based training can offer a more realistic framework that includes the use of weapons and training with weapons and multiple opponents to the sports-based systems, and the two can learn from each other. And that's really how you produce an effective self-defense system, or rather, a, an effective self-defense training regimen, because we're not inventing new systems now. We're just trying to learn from the bazillions of them that already exist. So if you can combine those two 
then what every martial art, including mixed martial arts, gets wrong, where they're trying to force their framework onto reality and it doesn't work because it's not real, you can produce something that is the closest simulation you can get to training for what actually happens in real life. So combat drills are one way to do that. It's not really sparring, because sparring can kind of devolve into a back-and-forth patty cake kind of a thing. Um, combat drills where you don't know what the other person is going to do, and they're offering a realistic level of resistance, and there's realistic levels of power involved. These types of drills are harder to engineer than you might think, because you also have to think in terms of, how do I prevent everyone from getting hurt? Because... Yes, you should be training as you as you will fight, and, and there should be a certain amount of rough-and-tumble uh, uh, give to what you're doing. Like, like yeah, it, it should bruise you up a little bit. But if you're getting injured, that doesn't help you. One of the biggest problems with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for example, is that the average person can't do it. And by that I mean, yeah, I know, lots of you who do Brazilian jiu-jitsu right now are going, what? The average person, somebody who's not 20 years old and made of rubber, they are more likely to be injured training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu than they're ever likely to be injured getting mugged. So you are more likely to get hurt and therefore be less able to defend yourself because you've sustained a, a significant injury, a break or a tear or a, a pulled whatever. You are much more likely to be hurt training than you are defending yourself when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's a high percentage. Aikido is just as bad. Uh, Aikido takes a lot of flack for, for being very difficult to learn. It takes a long time to get effective at it. And even then, people argue that it's not a very effective martial art, the Steven Seagal's of the world notwithstanding. Um, but the biggest problem with Aikido is none of that. The biggest problem with Aikido is I don't know anybody who's done Aikido for years who does not have permanently screwed up wrists. Uh, Aikido is really hard on your joints. Um, and I, I trained in Aikido for a while, and I went to my doctor and told him that my arms were going numb, and I was getting these shooting pains, and he's like, explain to me what you've been doing. So I explained to him how I was taking this martial art uh, that involved lots of torquing of the wrist, and he looked at me like, are you stupid? Stop doing that. He actually had to write me a doctor's excuse so I could get out of the student contract, because this is one of those schools that had the, the contract and the payment book like you're buying a car. Back in the day when they used to do that. So, uh, remember, the, the sin of not looking realistically at what will be expected of you in actual self-defense applies to every martial art. There's an element of simulation in every martial art. Nobody's actually trying to murder the other guy. Even in the bloodiest mixed martial arts matches, no one's trying to murder the other guy. Eh, there might have been a couple of grudge matches where that was true, but for the most part, no. Um, and in traditional martial arts, you know, there are good ones, there are good schools, and there's lots of bad ones. There's lots of, you know, point fighting, no and low touch, uh, strip mall type traditional martial arts where you're not really learning much. You know, it's a, it's a glorified babysitting system for, for young people. You know, uh, any traditional martial arts school, karate, taekwondo, anything like that, Krav Maga, if they have a kids program, that's a babysitting program. It's meant to keep the school solvent. It's taking money to watch your kids. Um, and yeah, they'll benefit from it. It's better than not. But, you know, are, are they going to come out of their, you know, actually finely honed warriors? No. Let, let's, let's have realistic expectations here. So remember how important it is to take all of those elements in, in the context of what's realistic. 
always sort of guide your training, uh, modify your training so that it's as realistic as it can be in terms of what you'll actually face. And know you and another guy squaring off and intentionally fighting each other on the ground is not a realistic approach to self-defense. It simply is not. So mixed martial arts, while it has a lot going for it, it's, it's like NASCAR. You would not take a NASCAR driver and expect him to be a tactical driver. You wouldn't take your NASCAR driver and put him in a Humvee and say, okay, now those guys with AK-47s are going to be following you and trying to murder you on the road, so you, you better outdrive them. You know, I, I don't know what sort of action movie universe we just dropped into. But no one would tell you that a, a NASCAR race driver is not an extremely skilled driver, but he's extremely skilled at a sport that bears only a passing resemblance to what actually happens in the real world. So keep that analogy in mind because it's really important. Um, another thing to remember when it comes to what every martial art gets wrong, weapons are reality. And you hear about mixed martial arts guys getting killed all the time when it comes to uh, real life altercations where somebody some dirtbag had a knife a, a gun anybody can get shot so take the guns out of it but as, there have been so many altercations where a guy a very untrained guy with a knife was more than enough to kill a mixed martial arts guy there was a i wrote an article for one of the internet marketers that i worked for a number of years ago and it was about an incident that if i remember correctly happened in brazil i could be getting the country wrong but it was not in the united states it was filmed. There was a, like a traffic camera that filmed this incident. And a, an MMA guy, trained fighter, really good at what he did, got into a road rage incident with another guy. And you can see in the video that the MMA fighter is doing what he's trained to do, positioning himself to do the types of techniques he's used to doing. And then the other guy, I forget if he stabbed him or shot him, but he just killed him, just dead. And it was a great example of how the real world treats mixed martial arts. If you do a Google search for just MMA killed, you will find so many results of guys who out in the real world just got murdered. They were they were effective fighters. One-on-one, -on -one, they should have done quite well for themselves, but you introduce an element of weapons and bam, not a good... Now, that's not to say that there aren't plenty of other incidents where one-on-one, -on -one, or not even necessarily, where a, a trained MMA guy got into it with somebody else where there weren't weapons involved and did quite well for himself because these are guys who are trained to absorb actually getting punched in the face. Boxers are the same way. You can't take a guy who's used to taking punches and not expect him to do really well when punches start flying. You know, if you could, if you could only trade in one thing to defend yourself, you'd actually be really well off just doing boxing. Um, but fortunately, we, we don't live in that weird hypothetical universe that airless frictionless void where high school science problems happen so you don't have to limit yourself to just one thing but remember that um, weapons are reality so any martial art whether it's a mixed martial arts sports fighting anything that doesn't train with weapons is right away huge disadvantage um, there are a lot of traditional martial arts by contrast that are blade aware that's what we call them a lot of Filipino martial arts and and sea uh, lot and you know a bunch of other Indonesian systems so many martial arts that start out training blades and that's important it's good that they do blade aware martial arts are in my opinion the most effective ones because the knife is the single most powerful weapon you can carry that is not a gun 
It is the single most powerful weapon because it does the most damage, deals the most force, with the least amount of physical effort. An old, frail, infirm person armed with a sharp knife is now very capable of defending themselves against even multiple opponents. And I know that's a bold claim, but it's true. Uh, and then the most expedient martial art isn't. Uh, uh, the most ex effective physical means of defending yourself <coughs> is military combatives. Military combatives, from, especially from World War II, not now. Today, the military combatives program is essentially Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's, it's used for training aggressiveness. It's, it's useful as a training tool. It's something that people can do in groups and with each other. It's, um, it is not the extremely effective uh, standing fighting methodology of like World War II combatives. And that's unfortunate. I don't think it's an improvement over the old system. But World War II combatives, you have to remember is made up of techniques taken from traditional martial arts. So just like mixed martial arts draws on techniques from traditional martial arts, so does combatives. And the World War II combatives especially, those are all, you know, like um, the, the, the chin jab, which is like a palm heel, and the double chin jab, which is like two palm heels. Well, that's a, that's a monk's strike where you're using two hands uh, to sort of lift your opponent's head up like you're, like you're holding a bowl on a platter. Um, there's a number of other methodologies. Uh, you know, the, the edge of hand blow is just the, the your classic karate chop um, or the Austin Powers judo chop. Uh, these all come from traditional martial arts, and yet they're extremely effective when used in the appropriate manner at the appropriate time in the appropriate way. Um, military systems, like I said, now use mixed martial arts as, a, as an aggression training tool, but mixed martial arts comes from traditional martial arts. And it's not any more proven than anything else in terms of realistic self-defense impact. It's more proven in terms of contact and resistance. Um, like I said, uh, a good martial art combines all of these elements. So, so what, would the, what would the ideal self-defense training system involve? It would have asymmetrical goals as part of its training so that you're not both trying to win a contest between each other. One of you is trying to hurt the other one and the other one's trying to prevent that from happening. Um, it would involve realistic levels of resistance and uh, lack of compliance so that you're not getting into bad habits when you train. Um, it would involve, you know, the legal aspects too. Like um, I've talked before, one of the classes I took where we used simunition rounds, I shot a bystander in the foot. Uh, I was... Uh, the, the scenarios would start and you didn't know if the opponent was going to attack you or not, which is good. And you are armed with your simunition gun and you have to make a call. When do I shoot this guy? So he would come at you and start chatting you up and you would have to decide when is he about to attack, what's going to happen. And then, you know, sometimes he would attack, you'd shoot him, you'd fight him off. This particular iteration involved me. I was on the ground. My gun was empty. I was hitting him in the helmet. We were wearing fist helmets. Hitting him in the helmet with my empty gun, but along the way I had managed to shoot a bystander in the foot with one of the simunition rounds, which is a big deal. Because if that had happened in real life, of course I've just shot an innocent person. Um, you're responsible for every round that comes out of that gun, especially in a self-defense situation. You cannot forget that. And this was a great exercise because it involved all dimensions. Physical altercation, trying to make that shoot-no-shoot -shoot decision, coming together and, and fighting him off without the gun or, or in my case with the empty gun when you run out of ammo 
but the whole point of the exercise was you didn't know if he was going to attack or not. So I think a good self-defense system would would involve all of those things. Uh, resistance, realistic levels of force, enough force that you know you've been hit, but not enough that you're going to walk away just crippled up with injuries. Um, and then, you know, realistic scenario training so that you're actually applying this knowledge to the to the real world. And I know it works because I've done it. Uh, a guy tried to mug me and I had to use the stuff I learned in uh, the, the uh, extreme close quarters class that I took from Craig Douglas a couple of times. Um, I had to use that stuff and I followed the script in my head and it worked. That's real life. That's self-defense. And anybody who s starts out the conversation by saying, you can't defend yourself because you're fat or you're skinny or you're short or you're taller, whatever, whatever they tell you, most often it's fat. At least that's what I get because I'm fat. But anybody who starts the conversation by saying that doesn't understand how this works, doesn't get it, doesn't understand self-defense at all. And that's all I've ever been trying to relate uh, in the stuff that I do. And, and it's so nice that at least one person out there is listening and, and gets it and is getting value out of it. But the fact is, no, <coughs> excuse me, traditional martial arts don't stink. Individual traditional martial artists might, but traditional martial arts are the, the font from which all of this flows, from whence it all came. And I think it's important that we remember that. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I have been the aforementioned Phil Elmore. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.